Hour three of our program today brought to you by the West Cocoa Pharmacy. It is Tuesday, the 28th of November, 2023. And in our Tuesday, 8 o'clock hour, it's always Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live. You can uh, find links to Dave's podcast and his Dave Does History page at BillMick.com on today's show page that's entitled Ejecting Women. We covered that in the first hour. If you missed any of that, the podcast section of BillMick.com and the Bill Mick Live um, well, what am I saying? I heard radio channel. Yeah, that's where you find that. Anyway, Dave, what's going on in Dave's world this morning? So we've been talking a little bit today about trusting government entities and the likes of that. Just a little bit. We've been talking about that. So yeah. show of hands. If you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald alone shot President Kennedy on in November of 1963, go ahead and raise your hand. Let's Let's see those hands. I'm, I'm not I'm seeing just, a lot of hands here, Bill. No, me neither. It, it seems like people don't believe that. What if, what if you, you would see more hands if you said, what if you don't know what to believe? <laughs> Why don't people believe this? If you had to, if you had to narrow, narrow it down to, to something, what would that be? Why don't people believe it. that? I think you hit it. Trust a government and, and, the potential entities involved in that event and the ascension of LBJ to the presidency and all kinds of things there. Seems funky, doesn't it? Seems like one of those things that, that matters. Well, it was this week in 1963, a week after the assassination that president Johnson called up the chief justice of the Supreme court, Earl Warren and said, Hey, I want you to form a commission and we're going to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. Now, this was actually suggested to Lyndon Johnson by some of his uh, staffers. The problem was, you know, again, it's hard to it's hard to get people to understand this. It was a different world in 1963. Sixty years ago, the world was much, much different, mm-hmm. and there was a great deal of fear. The Cold War was, you know, we had just come out of the the Cuban Missile Crisis. The space race was starting. People were supposing what was going to happen. There was a lot of fear. And when you start looking at Kennedy's assassination, like you said, there's a lot of potential actors here. A lot of potential for attempts at damaging the United States. Could it have simply been this lone guy? acting on his own. I mean, we don't like that because we don't like simple solutions to things. We, for some reason, we welcome complicated conspiratorial solutions. And so the government was already a week later finding itself in the position of, we've got to do something here to kind of reassure the American people. And so they picked seven people, led by Earl Warren, 
and they picked seven people who were well-known at that time for their trustworthiness, for their credibility, for their experience, and their positions of significant authority within the government to head up this commission. And the whole idea of this commission was they were going to spend upwards of a year, which as it turns out, it took about a year, to investigate all the aspects of this assassination. And then they were going to issue this report, which would tell the American people exactly what happened, why it happened, who did it, and what we can learn from this. That was the idea. It's going to take a year, but out of that is going to become one of the most controversial, argumentative issues that has ever hit the United States of America. And we pick it up in a minute on WMMB. Dave Bowman with Dave Does History taking a look at um, the Kennedy assassination. So this Warren Commission comes together. Dave, I was thinking as you were talking in our open of the hour here that at the time we kind of revered government versus reviling it and the presidency, the presidency especially. Yeah, that's one of the biggest differences between, and it's hard to explain to people today. In the early 1960s, if government said, we need fluoride in the water. Most people said, hey, I guess we need fluoride in the water. Or smoking is bad for you. Let's put warning labels on cigarette packages. Right. That we didn't quite believe quite as much. But um, yeah. when it came to this Warren Commission thing, for that reason, the seven members of this Warren Commission, now again, these names probably don't, re- there's maybe two, maybe three names on this list that people today would recognize. Earl Warren, of course, is the Chief Justice of the mm-hmm. Supreme Court. Hale Boggs. Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Nope. John Sherman Cooper. Nope. Alan Dulles. Yes. Now, that's a name you should recognize, and that's an important one, because he is the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency in 1963. Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. Know him. He's a representative from Michigan. He will eventually, 10 years from now, he'll become president of the United States. John J. McCloy. Nope. Former president of the World Bank. Today, that would go alarm bells. Yeah. Richard Russell. Now, I recognize him because he was a big supporter of the Navy, but most people have no idea. It's a much different view of the government in that era. So, this committee is put together, and they are going to start looking at the entirety of the assassination. They're going to spend hours, hours, investigating every aspect of this. In fact, they are going to even interview Lee Harvey Oswald's widow four times. They are going to produce an 888-page report, which when it's initially released, Bill, does not have an index Now, imagine in 1964, trying to read an 888-page government report that has no index. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially chronological. So as they jump around to topics, (laughs) you have no idea where they're going. How do you find anything in this? It isn't until years later that someone will put together an index for this, which makes it easier to read. But it's still not easy reading. If you've ever picked up a copy of the Warren Report, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is 
it is very heavy reading. It's very difficult reading. And it's very, it has this odd feel to it that it's, it, it's trying to, it's almost like it's saying to you, this is the way it is, like it or not. And that's the end of the story. But almost from the beginning, the, the Warren report is generally speaking accepted by the American people, but there are a lot of problems with it and a lot of questions with it. In fact, it's going to spur two congressional committees, one in 1975, one in 1978, and then another one in the 80s, to investigate the Warren Report, at least part of what their remit is to investigate the Warren Report, because something is off here, and nobody seems to know what it is. There is a huge problem with the Warren Report, and that is that the committee, which spends a year investigating this stuff, never hires its own independent investigators. It never, ever, ever hires a private detective to go out and look at things and say, what do you see in all of this? The committee starts with what I like to call inductive reasoning. In other words, here is our conclusion. This is what we have decided has happened. Now let's go find facts that fit our agenda, as opposed to deductive reasoning, which is where we say, Let's figure out from the beginning what happened. And in the process of this, they never hire those independent investigators. What do they do? Well, keep in mind that Alan Dulles, the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency, is on this committee. And so because of that, they have access to CIA and FBI agents and their reports about things. The Warren Commission relies entirely 100% on the CIA and the FBI to do its investigation. Now, again, so did they do their own interviews at all, or was it reviewing reports and coming to conclusions? They did some interviews in the convention, in the committee, but mostly they relied on CIA and FBI stuff. Now, again, in 1963, with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. running around on TV, yeah. it's a different world. Today, that would be a huge red flag. But in 1963, it seemed normal. Interesting. We'll dig into it. We will get to calls in our final segment of the uh, hour here as we talk the Kennedy assassination, the Warren Commission. And coming up next, that um, Christine Bullitt. And is it what it's cracked up to be? All of that ahead as we talk with Dave Bowman and Dave Does History on this Tuesday edition of Bill McLive. Bill Mick. 
conductor of your morning commutes, Train of Thought, is on WMMB. The West Cocoa Pharmacy, this hour's sponsor, and Dave Bowman with us with Dave Does History as we take a look at the uh, Warren Commission as they looked at the Kennedy assassination, and we've got an element of mistrust of government in play. Dave, where are we at on this thing? So the Warren Commission meets for this year. They produced this report. Now, the report is intended to calm people's fears. Because if we believe, as American people, that the Russians were behind this, or the Cubans were behind this, or the mob was behind this, or even whispers that Lyndon Johnson was behind it, if we believe that, then the government's position is going to erode. You know, you couldn't prevent this. You couldn't, you know, you had a coup, whatever. They don't want that. They want the American people to believe the official position, which is that Lee Harvey Oswald and Lee Harvey Oswald alone shot President Kennedy. The problem they have is there's some funkiness with how this happened. And you don't have to be, you know, much of a JFK K aficionado to know about all this. If you've seen the movie JFK, you know, back and to the left, back and to the left. You know all this. It seems like the visual evidence doesn't match with what you're being told. And that's part of the problem. Are there frames reversed in the Zapruder film? Is there, you know, what's going on here? Does the evidence match what we're being told? And the problem they have is they have three shots fired by Lee Harvey Oswald. And for the record, I believe that Lee Harvey Oswald fired three shots. That said, they have seven wounds that they have to account for from these three shots, one of which they say completely missed. So that means really only two. And it's it becomes that how do we wedge this whole thing into this that's the problem. Amazingly enough, at the hospital, they discover, someone discovers, on Connolly's, Governor Connolly's, Connolly's, Connolly's stretcher, a bullet. And the bullet is, as we've talked about, pristine. And it's this bullet that's because it's on Governor Colony, Col- Governor Connolly's stretcher that becomes the focal point of what will become the theory known as the lone bullet. And it's theoretical. The, the idea here is that it's, it's this singular bullet which causes almost all of the wounds to President Kennedy and to Governor Connolly, which therefore proves that Lee Harvey Oswald was capable of causing all of this damage. The problem is that the bullet, of course, is in pristine condition. How does a bullet go through two people and end up pristine? How does it happen, you know, how does it get found? How does it move from Kennedy's stretcher to Connolly's stretcher? Well, all these are questions that have to be answered because in order to make this inductive theory work, that bullet has to be the key to everything. And of course, it's the government telling us, Bill, that this bullet is the key to everything. So therefore, I guess... We have to believe it. So, Dave, 
a bullet that stays as intact. Was there anything special about this bullet? Uh, any jacketing? Any? I mean, what kind of bullet? Not was Not particularly. Guess, I mean, it's just the bullet that was fu- that was clearly fired from the weapon that they say Oswald was using. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we got to put ourselves in that 1963 mindset. We are trying to show the American people that this was not just possible, but it happened this way. Because otherwise, the the alternatives are too dangerous to allow the American people to deal with, which I don't agree with, but, you know, it was a different time. Are so you this- saying there was pressure for this report then to lay it solely on Oswald and not consider the possibilities of conspiracy and the like? Well, again, you're back to you don't hire independent investigators. You rely in, in in total on the CIA, which was known to be hostile to JFK, mm-hmm. and the FBI, which, I mean, would anybody today have a problem believing that the FBI isn't as competent as, as the television show would have us believe? Not today. Not today. Why would 1963 be any different? Well, we were we were of a different mindset then. We were, yes. Was the FBI? We would find out later in 1975 during the Church Committee that the FBI was regularly violating the civil rights of Americans by opening their mail. Were they any different? We don't know. The bullet supposedly goes through Kennedy's back, out through his throat. Into Connolly's shoulder, out his chest, through his wrist, and into his thigh, where it then, you know, lodges, supposedly, and it's, again, in pristine condition. So it's gone through Kennedy's neck all the way through, through Kennedy's shoulder, or through Connolly's shoulder and ribs, through his wrist and into his thigh, and hasn't been dented at all. Again, most people know this. Most people are familiar with this 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 dance of this lone bullet, and mm-hmm. it's this lone bullet then, this theory that becomes problematic because we're told by the Warren Commission that this is what happened, and we're told that we have to accept this because this is the best we can come up with. This is what the evidence supports. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go through all the different ballistics of the whole thing and that sort of stuff, because it's not really my focal point. My focal point is that almost from the beginning, this is the, the, the part that people seize on going, this is impossible. This bullet causing all of that is impossible. And remember that at the end of the day, the bullet is found on the stretcher in this pristine condition. And because it's on the stretcher, Everybody in the committee says, well, that must be the bullet, right? That must be the point at which caused all of this because here it is. So if everything hinges on here it is, how can we possibly doubt this? And yet we've spent 60 years, well, 59 years now from the Warren Commission, arguing about that bullet and what that bullet means. And what that bullet did on the 22nd of November in 1963. 
Because if that bullet did in fact cause all those wounds, then we have nothing to argue about. But if we believe, and by the show of hands, I think most of us are in that position, we tend to believe that it couldn't have done those things. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't seem possible. What's the implications of that? That the Warren Commission is either wildly inaccurate or lying? That the uh, conspiracy was on from the beginning is what it sounds like so far, Dave. What would be the telling point? We'd have to know where that bullet came from, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Are you saying we have a clue? I'm saying there's bombshell news about that bullet. And we have it when we continue on Bill McLive. Stay with us on WMMB. West Cocoa Pharmacy, this hour, sponsor of Bill Mick Live. Hey, don't forget, on uh, the BillMick.com page, on the WMMB, Bill Mick, and Bill Mick Live Facebook pages, links for you to the uh, Bill Mick Live WMMB Salvation Army Virtual Kettle. They'll help them in doing the most good this holiday season. It is their most uh, visible time of the year for the Salvation Army. You'll see the kettles out at various stores around the community. Well, you don't have to get out. You don't have to go anywhere. You can donate right from your computer. And uh, I did so yesterday as we established the page. You can do the same with that virtual kettle from the Salvation Army. Speaking of, Dave Bowman used to work for those folks back in the Modesto days, and he is with us with Dave Does History today. Um, Dave, we're getting down to not believing the Warren Commission or having to believe a story that seems unbelievable. What do you got on this thing? So, again, the primary finding of the of the Warren Commission is that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. He fired three shots. That one of those shots is the so-called lone or magic bullet that caused these seven wounds. Then there's the fatal shot uh, to President Kennedy as well. Now, the problem with all this, of course, is it all depends on that bullet. That bullet being found is the key, and that bullet being on the stretcher, meaning that it somehow or another worked its way out of Connolly's thigh and onto the stretcher, is key to all this stuff. And for 60 years, that's been the story. In September of this year, 60 years on from the assassination, one of the Secret Service agents that was there that day, a guy by the name of Paul Landis. Now, if you've ever watched any documentaries about that day, Mm -hmm. Paul Landis occasionally shows up in these things. He talks about what happened that day and, you know, how it affected him and all these kinds of things. But Paul Landis now has a book coming out. He's well into his 80s, almost 90 years old. And he has decided that now is the time, now that his, quote, nightmares have stopped, now is the time for him to tell 
the whole story. You with me here? Mm-hmm. The key takeaway from his book, which I have not read yet, but the key takeaway from his story is that the bullet was not found on the stretcher. That he is the person who actually found the bullet, and he found the bullet embedded in the limousine behind Kennedy, where Kennedy was sitting. In other words, the bullet went in and embedded itself in the back seat of the limousine, and that's where he found it. And he was concerned about souvenir hunters, he was concerned about preserving evidence, so he grabbed the bullet and set it on the stretcher because he didn't want it to get lost. Now Why imagine not pocket it then. What's that? Why not pocket it then? Well, that's part of the problem with this story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you were a Secret Service agent there on that day, and you knew this, and you knew that the main conclusion of the Warren report was that this one bullet did all of this based on where it was found. Why would you wait 60 years before you told someone? Now, his argument is, I'm, I'm 88 years old, I'm going to die, I got nothing else to worry about now. But that just opens the door of, well, what did he know about who really fired that bullet that made him scared enough to go on national television and tell his story, spend 60 years reading the Warren Commission report and, go, and knowing that it wasn't true? and not saying a word about it. The story has been greeted, this story came out in September, and has been greeted with a collective yawn. I mean, even the Kennedy assassination boards are basically, eh, about it. And it makes me wonder, wait a minute, if this is true, and I have no way of telling, I mean, the magic bullet theory, Bill, is is ludicrous, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, seven wounds from this one bullet, that that is completely unbelievable. But is his story that he found it in the back of the seat and put it on the, on the stretcher any more believable? In theory, yes. But now you're back to 60 years. The official story has been this bullet was found there because it fell out of Connolly. But he knew better if, if this is the truth. Why is he writing a book now? And all it does is add to the controversy. All it does is add to the argument. All it does is say to ourselves, well, now can I believe the Secret Service along with the CIA and the FBI? And all it really has accomplished is make us wonder even more. Back to conclude our Tuesday with Dave Does History in 60 seconds on WMMB. So, Dave, do any of the conspiracy theories then that were coming that have come about in the last sixty years, do they have credibility that the Warren Commission and now this comment from Paul Landis that they don't necessarily have? You know, it's I'm I'm of I'm as confused as anybody else at this point. My my problem with Landis's story is for 60 years you've known that the Warren Commission was complete nonsense. Why do you wait till now to say that? And, of course, the argument is, well, he was afraid of the CIA, FBI, Secret Service cabal 
that actually killed President Kennedy is, is what they're going to say. And so now that he has nothing to lose, now he's saying that. But the way this story is being received, the way it's almost like, Bill, it's almost like the social media news organizations are just sort of throttling this story. I mean, it really has that feel to it. Unless you really know what you're looking for, it, it, it's hard to find this story. It's not going to show up, you know, with, with headlines and, and, and trumpets announcing it, which feeds back so into does that the, lead to more credibility in what he's saying then? It seems like it should. Uh-huh. But is it? Which leads us back into the, why can, can I trust the Warren Report? Can I trust the government? Can I trust this committee that didn't hire anybody independently? They only relied on the CIA and the FBI? We may never know the answer to this question. That's that's the most frustrating thing about all this to me is that we may never know. And because we never know, we have no idea what was lost or what was gained. Let me ask you a question, Bill. Mm-hmm. Do we land on the moon in 1969 if Kennedy isn't, isn't assassinated? I would say yes. You would say otherwise? I don't know. Because remember that there was a significant pushback against all that under Kennedy. And it's Johnson who uses the assassination of Kennedy to really push the space program. We have to meet his goal. Do we land in 69 if Kennedy is assassinated? What happens in Vietnam? Supposedly, Kennedy was having second thoughts about Vietnam. If he pulls out of Vietnam, is Nixon elected in 68? Do, does this country go through Watergate? Th- these are questions that we don't know and we can never know because we've been denied the actual answer. There because we don't know what happened. excellent fiction writing and, and television and movie production about everything you just mentioned. And it does lead to wild speculation or speculation at all, period, right? It's all speculation, but it's all based in the, because we don't know the actual answer, and it would appear now that the pristine bullet theory is complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. So what did happen? Is it possible that Lee Harvey Oswald still did this? It's possible. Is it probable? Now you're up in the air. But because we don't know. Let me get a quick call in while we can. Line one, you're on Bill Mick Live. Good morning. Morning, Bill. This is Scott in Melbourne. Yes, Scott. uh, Yeah, I was wondering if Dave had heard anything about Rob Reiner's new podcast. Uh, It's a multi-part podcast where he says he is going to name and identify four different shooters that killed JFK, and he's going to do the whole story behind that. Dave, you heard about that? Yeah, I've seen it. I've read the articles. Um, he hasn't done it. Not yet. He hasn't done it yet, Scott, so we're still up in the air. Do you, do you know when it's supposed to be released? I, all I know is I've seen it show up in the last few days on a couple different uh, websites that he's got it out there. And I think one of them was... What well, was it, Black Helicopter it. Daily? <laughs> no, it was not. I think it was news. I think one of them was Newsmax, and there's another one out there. I'm sure if you Google Rob Reiner and JFK's new assassination story, you'll find it. It's, Probably find it on you know, Prison Planet as well. Yeah. Well, and it always could be 
you know, Meathead's attempt to uh, sell, uh, he is an actor, director, and all that, so he might be just pushing a product. Yeah, that's very possible. Scott, thank you. Good to have you along. So what we end up with, Dave, is nothing but more fueled conspiracy theory here. Well, I mean, again, I'm a podcaster myself, and I know how the game is played. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner says he has... 50. Right, that's true. Taylor <laughs> and I are dating. I shouldn't have outed that, but... At any rate, you know, he says he has proof that four men killed President Kennedy, and he's going to name the names. But we're back to, okay, what is your proof? And, you know, has, has anybody done any, any counter-investigation to this? Have we, are we just using inductive reasoning here because we're looking at the film going, well, it clearly wasn't from behind. What's the answer here? I mean, is he saying anything different than Oliver Stone said 20 years ago in JFK? Or is this, does he actually have something new like Paul Landis saying, hey, that didn't actually happen that way? And with Paul Landis saying that way, why does nobody seem to care? Mm-hmm. I, I just they, don't. Because they prefer it left dead and buried? Somebody does. Uh-huh. Who is that somebody? That's you know, the you real question. documentaries and the like, and, and I was thoroughly pulled in. I, I want to say it was on the Discovery Channel or History Channel or something, and this has been 25, 30 years ago, um, the trial of Lee Harvey Oswald. You remember seeing that? I've I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever watched it. I, it was intriguing because there was no trial. He was right. killed before he got there, but they took, I think, Vincent Bugliosi from the Manson case. Who he has a book about it. Yeah. He, he prosecuted, and then a famous defense attorney from the upper Midwest played the defense attorney, and it was laid out very, very well. They had a jury that they had selected. I don't know if any of it was scripted or not as far as that goes, but it was very intriguing to watch. And um, I'm trying to remember if they found Oswald guilty or not guilty. I'm, I'm sure they did because Bugliosi has a book out called J- Oswald Acted Alone. So and I'm yeah. sure it was. I'm sure there it was based go. on that. So. Yeah. Nonetheless, very interesting. Dave Bowman, thanks for spending the day with us here on Bill Mick Live. Always appreciate that. And our 8 o'clock hour at Dave Does History. Catch up with him at thedavebowmanshow.com or davedoeshistory.org. And uh, thank you to the West Coco Pharmacy for this hour of the program. For you folks, tomorrow, a wide open Wednesday. We just had one yesterday, but hey, it was my first day back. So you can have another one tomorrow. Dave, thank you. I'll see you next week. We'll see you then.